The best way I can help now is if I step aside and let government get back to governing. I will fight like hell for you every single day. But she can come up to speed quickly. And I'm looking forward to this challenge, and I won't let New Yorkers down. What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news stories? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one -on -one conversation with our reporters every week, right here, right now. The Debrief. Welcome into The Debrief. I'm your host, Adam Cooperstein. And on August 24th, New York State will have a new governor sworn in. Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul takes over for Governor Andrew Cuomo after he was forced to resign after the Attorney General's investigation into sexual harassment claims from multiple women. Kathy Hochul will be the first woman ever to lead the state of New York. And while she's had a long career in politics, she's relatively unknown down here in the tri-state, certainly in the New York City area. In fact, she has the rare distinction of being a rare governor to be coming from upstate rather than the New York City area. But if you want to get to know Kathy Hochul here on The Debrief, I have just the guy for you. Let's welcome in Jerry Zaremski from the Buffalo News, Washington Bureau Chief, and someone who has covered Kathy Hochul for many, many years. Jerry, thank you so much for the time. We really want to get to know Kathy Hochul, and I know that you can do that for us and help us out. But I want to start with your reaction as someone who knows her well and knows about her political stance and also her ambitions. What did you think when she said on the Today Show that she would support a mask mandate in schools? I was not surprised at all. And the reason I wasn't surprised is twofold, really. If you think about the way things have been trending on, on the pandemic lately, they've not generally been trending well, thanks to the Delta variant. That being the case, this issue of masks in the schools has become a na nationwide issue. Districts all across the country are dealing with this. Governors all across the country are dealing with this. So for, that's reason number one. Reason number two, I, I, I know that Kathy Hochul is the sort of politician who would be proactive in a situation like this. She would not take kind of a let things go attitude toward COVID-19 the way some Republican governors have. She's just from a different philosophy. She believes that government can really do good for people. And I think she thinks, and she told me in our interview yesterday, that the mask mandate is something that may be necessary just to protect the health, not only of the students, but teachers and staff in New York schools. And we will get into some more of the COVID questions, because I think it's really top of mind for so many people, because Governor Cuomo used all of his executive powers and was very much front and center. In fact, of course, he wrote that pandemic book, which Kathy Hochul wasn't named in, a 300-page book with the lieutenant governor not named in it. But um, because of his role during this pandemic being a strong one, I think there are a lot of unknowns about how Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul will be when she is in charge. Um, do you anticipate that she would be someone who would want to impose more restrictions, if necessary, and not want to is the word, but would she be more or less likely than Governor Cuomo to take action? Well, the first thing to understand is that she will not enter office with the same powers that Governor Cuomo had throughout the early stages of the pandemic. At that time, he had emergency powers granted to him by the state legislature that allowed him to impose mandates, that allowed him to act in, in a very bold way. 
those emergency powers were pulled back uh, not long ago. So Governor Cuomo today doesn't have the same power he had in March of 2020. And Kathy Hochul won't when she becomes governor. Will she ask for them again? I don't know. I do think, based on my interview with her, that if the situation were to become very dire, she may ask for that. And she may indeed want to impose more more restrictions. However, one thing that's very different between now and March and April of 2020 is that many, many, many people, the majority of people in the state of New York are vaccinated. That reduces the need for the kind of restrictions that we had back then. Masking requirements, however, are another matter because they have been uh, used to make sure that even vaccinated people aren't spreading the, the virus. You know, Kathy Oakle really enters a tricky spot because she comes in replacing a governor disgraced after a scandal and forced to, to leave this office that he cherished. And then on top of that, there is an election brewing very soon. Next year, that primary is on the way, and she has said she wants to run and, and, and be the governor for the people of New York. How does she balance governing in the short term and also trying to at the same time, campaign? Well, I think for a governor entering office who, as you said, is not well-known among the electorate the way Governor Cuomo was, particularly downstate, I think for her, for the first few months, governing will be politicking. And what I mean by that is her performance is going to determine her political future. If she comes into office and builds a good relationship with the legislature, makes a good first impression with the public, and takes the actions that the public ends up favoring in terms of the pandemic and other issues, I think her she will become more popular, she will become more known, and next year's political challenge may not be as daunting as it appears today. However, if somehow she comes in and it doesn't work out well for her, then I think you will see the vultures circling and then you will see the other candidates circling. And then you will see a very, very dramatic and complicated primary next year. Their choice for lieutenant governor seems like a pretty important one. It's something she said she'll do by the time she's sworn in. Do you anticipate that person being someone who's more well-known in the New York City area? I think it's almost certain that it would be someone who's more well-known in the New York City area. It would also make sense politically for her to pick someone who is a person of color. And so I think that those might be factors in her mind. I also believe, and she said this to me during our interview, that she's going to be looking for someone who's a partner in governing, which is really not what she was fully under Andrew Cuomo, and someone she's comfortable with. Uh, so there are a lot of factors there. I have a feeling that this is going to be a very high priority for her, and she is going to probably interview people, and it'll be akin to the selection of a vice president. She even said to me in, in our interview that she wants her relationship with her lieutenant governor to be like the Kamala Harris-Joe Biden relationship, and I thought that was very telling. How would you describe, for people that maybe aren't fully familiar with the relationship that she had with Governor Cuomo? We know that she is attempted to distance herself in the last couple of days. Understandably, that's, that's certainly good politics. But what, what's the reality about the relationship between the two of them 
in, in behind closed doors and in public? Well, the the relationship has been described by many as transactional. Kathy Holkel was served in some ways as something of a traveling salesperson for the Cuomo administration, traveling all across the state to promote the state's policies, but she was not in the room where it happened. She was not at the coronavirus briefings, except for maybe a couple that took place in Buffalo. So she was not part and parcel of the decisions that were being made that are now so controversial. So in a way, I asked her this yesterday, if it was kind of a blessing in disguise that she wasn't brought into the Cuomo administration in that way. And her response was something along the lines of, people know that I wasn't close to the governor. So in this case, that helps. I and think it probably does. Yeah. Uh, she's been known as what they call a retail politician. She does the every county, every year car tour. Um, do you, for people that haven't, haven't been able to have her come visit an event or haven't seen her, she seems to be very adept at those situations, kind of that old school Chuck Schumer approach to politicking. Yes, I'll frankly say she's one of the better retail politicians I've ever seen. And I've covered a couple of her campaigns. She is just extraordinarily personable. She warms up to people. She goes up to people in diners and has nice conversations with them. She's a very difficult person to dislike. So her first impression she's going to leave with people is going to be very different than that that Andrew Cuomo left, because Andrew Cuomo was a take charge type of politician. She, I thought very tellingly, said a couple times in her first couple of days after the Cuomo resignation that she's the kind of politician who listens first and then takes decisive action. So I think that's what people are going to see. They're going to see her traveling the state. They're going to see her talking to voters, and then they're going to see her act. But what's going to be very different is that she has a personality that could not be any more different than Andrew Cuomo's. She has already been asked, and she'll continue to be asked, on her feelings on what to do about Cuomo moving forward. Now, obviously, the Assembly has to decide when it comes to impeachment. But so far, she said, you know, I don't believe it's my position to weigh in. Um, and I have full confidence in the Assembly to do what, what they think is the right thing to do. Do you anticipate that changing at all? Or, or will she go as long as she can with staying out of that front? I think she is going to stay out of that as much as she can. One thing that has struck me so far about what she has had to say is what she's trying to do to build a relationship with the legislature. She actually has very good relations with many, many members of the legislature already. She has gone to events in their district. She has uh, gone to you know lunch and dinner with them. So there, there's a personal connection there. But there also seems to be this desire that she has to show respect for the separation of powers and respect for the legislature as an institution. And another reason I say that is that in the interview that I had with her right after her first speech, uh, I, I asked her, I, I, we talked a little bit about ethics in the governor's office, given that we've had three governors in a, in a row that have left under a cloud. And then I asked her, well, what about the state legislature? You've had so many state legislators convicted of crimes. Is there something that you think needs to be done proactively to address ethics in the state legislature? And her response was, and I paraphrase, I will be responsible for the 300,000 employees of the state of, the New, of New York. The legislature 
and its rules are up to the legislature. And if you combine that with what she has said about impeachment, you can see what she's trying to do. She is trying to show members of the legislature that she's not Andrew Cuomo and that she respects the legislature as an independent institution. Selfishly, for those of us in the New York City area, uh, one of the things that's going to be really important moving forward isn't just simply the pandemic and the Delta variant, but all the ramifications, the economy, uh, the, the, the issues with businesses in Midtown Manhattan and Lower Manhattan. That's something that, because of Cuomo's ties to not only his home borough of Queens, but of course the business community, um, I think some people here, he was very popular certainly before the scandal, would consider that a strength. How do you anticipate she handles, Kathy Hochul handles, the, the city issues that will certainly linger into next year's election? I think she is going to have a delicate balance to strike between working with New York City's business community and the progressive wing of her own party. I, I think, however, based on her history, that she is going to work with the business community in the city and probably go in there and, and say to Catherine Wilde, what do you need? And that, that's just the sort of thing she does. And so I, I, I don't anticipate there to be a lot of anger among the business people in, in, in New York City over her initial performance as governor. I say that in part because she's had a good relationship over the years with the business community in Buffalo, even though she's a Democrat. Kathy Oakle has some nice advantages, certainly when you are become the governor in this situation. And, uh, and then you go into a re-election campaign, essentially, um, there's some advantage to that. What would be a challenge that you would say, this is something to watch, this, this is where she may run into trouble? Well, I think the biggest challenge she faces going into office is that naturally, it's our job in the media to look for potential conflicts of interest, to look for potential scandal. And while there has been no hint of scandal in Kathy Hochul's political career ever, there is one item that has been raised as a concern, and that is the fact that her husband, who's a former U.S. attorney, Bill Hochul, also from Buffalo, now works in a top legal position for Delaware North Companies. Delaware North Companies, for those of you who don't know, is a very large, large privately held concessions company that holds concessions at rest stops around the country, national parks, racetracks, etc. There are all sorts of, there is all sorts of business that Delaware North does with the state. So there are those who believe that Bill Hochul's continued employment at Delaware North poses an inherent conflict of interest. When I asked uh, Kathy Hochul about that in our interview, what she said was, Bill and I have had separate careers from the start. Bill has recused himself from any business that Delaware North does with the state. There will be internal watchdogs taking a look at this too. Will that be enough to satisfy ethics watchdogs? Will that be enough to satisfy the New York press? I don't know. I think that could be one area that could pose a political challenge to her. When it comes to Kathy Hochul, how front and center is her family? Andrew Cuomo famously talked about every aspect of his family in great detail. Will we see Kathy Hochul's family? Will we 
get a, a peek behind the curtain a little bit about who she is as a person? Well, I think you'll certainly see a lot of what she's like as a person. Her children are grown. Uh, one of them lives here in the Washington area. Uh, so I'm not sure how much her children are going to be part of it. But I think what you see a lot of is, is Kathy's personality. She still rides her bike around Buffalo, for example. Um, so whether you can do that with a bunch of state troopers in tow on bicycles, I don't know. But it would not surprise me if she would want to do that. Just last week, she got on the New York City subway and went up to a meeting in Harlem on the subway. So uh, she's one of those kinds of politicians. It's kind of in a way like an old time mayor that would just go into the crowds, just do things that normal people would do. So I think she's going to show herself in that way. Let's finish with something that's fun. And, you know, everybody always likes to do some uh, guessing about what's going to happen in this election next year. And I'd love to get your thoughts on it because it's never too early to start throwing names out there. Sure. And and one of the names, interestingly enough, that's, of course, a potential candidate to face off in a Democratic primary is the attorney general who led the investigation in Andrew Cuomo, Letitia James, from down here in the city. Who do you think will be the names that emerge as the strongest contenders in a race in a Democratic primary, or you can even open it up to Republicans against Kathy Hochul? Well, I think if Letitia James were to run, she would by, be far be, be the strongest candidate. And I say that because she's had a record of performance that's that's re, very strong, and she, her reputation is simply impeccable. So if she were to hop in, I think she would certainly be the number one candidate. Will she hop in? I don't know. Everyone talks about it. Everyone anticipates it. I was struck by the fact that her statement about Kathy Hochul becoming governor was so generous. It didn't have to be, but it was. And that said to me that at least for now, perhaps Letitia James is holding back. One thing to keep in mind is that Letitia James is a little bit younger than Kathy Hochul. So Letitia James does not have to run for governor in 2022 uh, in order to become governor. She could run in 2026. You know, we, we don't know, but that's my take on Letitia James. Uh, there are other potential strong candidates, uh, Tom DiNapoli, who has a base in Long Island, Tom Swazi, who I think would be uh, someone who's very interested in becoming governor. He may get in. But again, I think all of this is going to depend on Kathy Hochul's performance and her performance, not as a politician, but as a governor. So much riding on that, not just for her, but also for all of us who live in this state and uh, really hope to emerge from this pandemic in a better place. As long as it may take, we're going to get there. And I uh, really appreciate your time, Jerry. It's so nice to learn more about Kathy Hochul from me. We appreciate it. Okay. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. All right, Jerry Zaremski there from the Buffalo News. I want to thank all of you for tuning in to The Debrief. Big thanks to our production team as well, Melissa Mack, Darren Price, and Ben Berkowitz. We'll see you right next, right back here next time on The Debrief.